0: hello and welcome back to the rheumatology.physio podcast super excited on this podcast that we're on to the second of five in our spa series sponsored by novartis so thank you very much to them for helping us to create this series of podcasts all about axial spondyloarthritis hopefully you already went and listened to the first one all about physiotherapy for axial spondyloarthritis And this time we are talking all about AXPAR in primary care. So many questions do I get about blood testing, imaging, referrals, what to do with patients in primary care when AXPAR is suspected. And we get through all of it in this podcast. So once again, thank you very much to Novartis for supporting this particular project. And hopefully there'll be a link in the show notes of the podcast or in YouTube. on my website to go and do a feedback survey so if you wouldn't mind spending a minute or so if you can find the link clicking on that and just giving us a little bit of feedback that would be super helpful so for this show i was delighted to be able to get dr louise warburton on the podcast she is a gp with special interest in rheumatology and was ideally placed to talk to me all about rheumatology in primary care we cover everything that you want to know if you're in primary care and it is full of clinical tips and gold. And I think everybody will find this extremely useful. We give plenty of links actually in this podcast, um, which you may well wish to check out. So anything that's mentioned will be linked in the notes below, um, the, either the video or the podcast that you're uh, listening to so give it a click and you can go and find everything there including the study days um, that Louise mentions so make sure you go and see those they are they seem like they're going to be brilliant. Finally last plug for me don't forget the Room 101 conference it's at the end of April in-person tickets in Manchester virtual tickets as well they're selling really fast I suspect we're going to sell those out quite quickly so if you haven't got one go ahead and grab one we've got eight. Well, seven brilliant speakers and myself talking all about things rheumatology it's going to be a really great morning and hopefully loads to be learned really excited the speaker list is brilliant i've confirmed all of the speakers now and i'm super excited so if you want to find any information or book tickets go to rheumatology.physio forward slash event so enjoy this podcast and hopefully learn loads about axial spondyloarthritis in primary care Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rheumatology Physio podcast. I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Louise Warburton um, this evening. For a record, we're going to talk all about rheumatology, um, especially axial spondyloarthritis in primary care, um, which is something I have a little bit of experience on, but um, uh, Dr. Warburton has a lot more experience on and a lot more um, uh, um, information for us. um, We'll hopefully get into a lot of detail. So thank you for joining me, um, Louise. Thank you. Um, So just to start us off, would you mind just introducing yourself uh, to the listeners, um, what you've been up to in your career so far and and your interest in rheumatology as well?
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. So uh, I'm a a GP. I trained and qualified as a GP in 1990. So it's a considerable time ago now. So I've had lots of experience. And um, for about the last, well, 25 years, I have been working in rheumatology. I started off doing um, a session in a local clinic in Shropshire once a week with a consultant. And then that um, morphed in 2006 into working in an interface musculoskeletal clinic. So that was about the time that the uh, 18-week targets were were launched. And my local CCG wanted someone to do a clinic to try and reduce the 18-week wait. So I started doing um, sessions in... A musculoskeletal clinic just with one other extended scope, physio. Um, and the service has grown. So that's about 15 years ago, isn't it? It's now grown to be um, a massive service, really serving the whole of the east side of Shropshire. So that's Telford um, with a single point of referral. So anyone with an MSK problem that might be even just for physio comes through our portal and the referral's triaged. And I, um, work in the sort of rheumatology side of the pathway. We do have two consultant rheumatologists, but I would see um, anyone who's in that sort of gray area between, is this inflammatory or is it not? The people who are clearly looking inflammatory on the referral will go straight to a consultant. So um, so I'm doing that now. Now, I was doing that virtually full-time until recently. I've gone a bit more part-time now. Um, I'm also um, an honorary senior lecturer at the University of Kiel, So the primary care um, sciences research department. Um, I'm a fellow of NICE. So I've been doing that for 12 months and I've just um, been successful in getting a post as the uh, Speciality Community Trust Research League for the West Midlands, because I work for a community trust and we've just started to become active in research. So, so I'm taking a lead role there. So, so that's my job in a nutshell.
0: Fantastic. I've I'm, I'm amazed you found five minutes to speak to me this yes. evening. It sounds yes. very busy. Yeah. Um, so just, just to go on, on, on your department, because it sounds really interesting. Um, so are the patients screened first before they come to you by a GP or someone similar, or is it self-referral?
1: Um, no, it's not self-referral. It, it's a primary care referral, so they see someone in in primary care so that might be a GP or a first contact physio so we have some FCPs in our service who also work out in the local practices so there's a nice link there and, and they, there's a lot of discussion goes on about patients should I refer this patient etc so they've all come from a GP um, or an FCP but, but quite often during the pandemic they were all telephone yeah assessments so not many face-to-faces which makes it harder for us
0: yeah i can imagine i can imagine and what's the kind of um uh how do i phrase it the conversion rate let's say you know of your referrals in and then let we'll talk specifically about sort of rheumatology but specifically to then a rheumatology onward referral yeah
1: yeah there aren't many about two or three percent go through to the rheumatologist We get eleven thousand referrals a year. Uh, a lot of those are just for physio. Um, our orthopaedic conversion rate, so uh, the number actually going on to surgery who see an orthopaedic surgeon, is about eighty percent. It's really good actually, because they get worked up. You know, we'll do all the investigations. We'll try the treatments. So, but the, the, yeah, the the although it's not much, three percent, is it? The there's a huge, huge backlog at the moment because of the pandemic and, yeah, uh,
0: for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um and that sort of leads me on to the first real question, I suppose, which is um specifically around challenges in primary care related to axial spondyloarthritis specifically. Yes, yeah. Um so have you got any ideas um about you know any of those specific challenges really relating to that those conditions?
1: Yes, yeah. So so back pain is very common, isn't it? Um, and you know 30% of GP consultations are about MSK issues and um, there's loads of people coming in with mechanical back pain and unless you you know what inflammatory back pain is and you can ask the right questions it's really hard to pick up those cases mm. um, and and because they present insidiously people you can't remember when when it started Um I, I think a lot a lot get missed And we we know there's a big delay in the UK. It's 8.5 years is the current delay from first symptom to being diagnosed with an axial spar. So so that's one of the challenges. Another challenge is that um, in my area, GPs can request spinal MRIs, but the protocol that they can request is not the inflammatory back pain one. Mm. So there's a special protocol using... um, STIR images and T2 images, which look for bony edema, which GPs can't request. So um, they, they just, you know, they might get an MRI back, doesn't include the SI joints either, which is reported as normal. And they, they totally missed the diagnosis mm. then. And the patient believes the MRI is normal and they go away until they get another huge flare up or something else happens. So, so there's lots of challenges, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I always thought when I worked in secondary care rheumatology, I got 40 minutes for an appointment as well. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I always
0: thought, you know, imagine if I cut that down to 30 minutes, I'd probably be useless. And then, yeah. you know, I see things with GPs working to seven minutes or, yes. or, or whatever it is. And I think, you know,
2: um,
0: yeah, definitely difficult there, um, especially.
1: Yeah. But it's all in the history, really. I think if, mm. if you um, can have time to take a good history and you listen to the patient and it, you just get these um it's a sixth sense really um patients not telling you a, a mechanical story that they've got fatigue they're waking up in the night you, you know that should your ears should prick up then and, um, and and that's the skill that you develop when you've been doing it for a few years
0: yeah for sure and I think um what I've noticed as well is people who have been on my courses they tend to think they tend to have seen a patient hmm. um, and then and and then it's been worked up and, and they've realized that that patient has axial spinal arthritis and then they realize they don't know yes. all of the information they need to know how yeah. much do you think i know there's been there's been some research um, reasonably recently so 2018 or so when they they canvassed gps for their knowledge of associated symptoms and inflammatory back pain um, in your experience with those referrals coming in to your department how much do you think is a lack of knowledge or how much is a is pathway challenges because they don't have much time or that mri issue that you mentioned it obviously i assume it's a combination of the lot but
1: yeah yeah it is really and um, the the people i have picked up have been um, the people with the less obvious histories so mm. so it's if you're a male and you're hlab 27 positive you tend to present it in your early 20s with more obvious features, but women, um, even the HLA-B27 positive women, don't have such obvious expression of the symptoms. And um, it may have just been grumbling on for years and people think it's fibromyalgia. Um, so, so those are the cases I've picked up about 10 people like that in the last two years, mm. you know, who, who might even be in their 50s by the time I, I've diagnosed them. So. so it, it's it, you know I'm not blaming anybody at all it's really hard to to pick these things up
0: absolutely and obviously we're sitting here with the sp- specific interest in rheumatology as well as with yes. what I, certainly what I spend a lot of my time doing and I don't do yes. a lot else and obviously GBs are doing all the other stuff as well even in your case you're mm. you're seeing other like you said orthopedics yes. and so on and so yes. forth yeah um, so it's yeah I think it's hard to when they are those Needle in a haystack of those back pains, yes. and you've got to get into the nuance of those symptoms. And um, you've already talked about FCPs, first contact physios, a little bit. Mm. Um, what's your experience so far? With, um, obviously, it sounds like you've had had them in your your yes. department for quite a while, but they're obviously spreading out a lot more yes. recently over the country. What's your experience of their ability in this um, sort of space?
1: Um, well, well, I've been um, training and mentoring the FCPs in my area and I'm, I'm an accredited trainer. So I, I signed, signed somebody off for their part one on Monday, actually. So all the, I think the FCPs in Shropshire have been indoctrinated really. <laughs> uh, certainly the ones around Telford there, they all know all about axial arthritis. And um, I get lots of emails saying, Oh, do you think this patient might have axial spa? Um, so, so I, as a group of clinicians, I mean, I, I think they're such hardworking, committed, dedicated people, because the pathway to get become an FCP is just so hard, you know, signing off part one um, with all the different competencies that I was doing on Monday. I mean, it's like trying to do GP training, but, but in one year, you know, and we had three years to, to do it. So I've always been really impressed with the people I've worked with I think they're getting a bit of a raw deal out there in primary care because that they're they're not often getting the supervision that that they should have you know the observed practice consultations that they need to sign off part two and there's some work going on in our area at the moment um, trying to to get that a bit more working a bit more effectively
2: yeah I can
0: hear the pitter-patter of fcp feet off towards Telford
1: (laughs) Yes. yes. as they listen to this. (laughs) I should I should say as well that the primary care rheumatology and musculoskeletal society uh, of which I'm the education lead and a past president we've done a lot of work in the last two years to support FCPs and we've gained about 600 new new FCP or APP members so um, we do lots of training and um, there's have you heard of the diploma, the FSCM, mm-hmm. PCRMM diploma? There's another one coming up in May. So we're running a couple of study days, March and April, um, 5th of March, 2nd of April. It's on our mm-hmm. website. So so um, that, they are rheumatology training days, really, mm. as well as some orthopedics.
0: Brilliant. We'll. Uh, I'll make sure we link to those for yeah. Um, thank you on the yes. podcast. Yeah, so yes. that um, people can. Uh, this will come out with enough time for people to be able to still book on those. So mm. um, we'll definitely do that. um I'm really. I'm. I'm really glad that you're getting that kind of experience um, of the FCPs. Um, I think I. I get a but a different bias because people ask me to go and teach them about rheumatology because they feel like they don't know so much yes. about rheumatology, yes. which is great. It gives me a slight concern that. Not everybody works for you. Not everybody's asked asked someone like myself yes. to go and teach them, and there might be a little bit of gaps somewhere. But yes, um, yes. I know that a lot of the work around um, it, from Health Education England and things I was involved in a little education program for FCPs as well. So I'm um, ho- hopefully we're getting going up, uh, up and up. What do you think about sort of the? Um, uh, non-specialized GPs or gen- generalist GPs sounds like a ridiculous phrase but I hope you yes. really know what I'm getting at. Um, are, are GPs on the same path to improvement do you think or do they need a little bit more conjoling?
1: Um, do you mean for rheumatology? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the rheumatology training they get is often a bit lacking and um, there, there was a study done some time ago now about 20 years ago Asking GP tra- GPs and GP trainees whether they felt their rheumatology training was any good, they weren't particularly happy with it then, and and um, they're not they're not happy now. Um, some research done in Manchester shows it's very limited. You know, often just two days of um, dedicated rheumatology training. Where I, I was lucky in that um, my third year medical attachment was on the rheumatology ward, and then I had a house job on a rheumatology ward so so I learned loads about it then. So so we we could do more certainly um, to educate GPs and I'm working with the British Society for Rheumatology who who at the moment are are keen to educate clinicians in primary care whether that's GPs or FCPs so so watch that space there hopefully will be some resources.
0: Mm, Excellent no that's really good. Um, So let's go and talk about Um, some specifics um with within primary care Um, and I want to talk about investigations really um so what I get a lot of specifically around primary care is what do we order what do we do with the information when it comes back should we order stuff Mm. um and I have a variety of different answers that I give but I would love to get your answer yes, so I want, yes. I, I want to start at bloods we've already we've alluded to MRI already but I want to yeah. park that for a little bit let's start with bloods okay. um, so let's let's make the, kept the case simple uh, we've got a patient they've got clearly inflammatory back pain um let's say they've even got they've got a family history of AS so it's pretty clearly obvious so we're not yes, worried about any yes. red flags or any, anything else what bloods are we ordering
1: well you don't get any specific inflammatory rise usually in early spondyloarthritis axial spondyloarthritis. So you're not going to get any diagnostic clues really, but it, it's always worth um, doing the baseline bloods, I think, because you can turn up all kinds of things. So you, you may find an, a normochromic normocytic anemia in, indicating chronic disease. You might find an iron deficiency because they've actually got Crohn's disease and that was undiagnosed. So it, it's just a good baseline. So. You don't have to do that, but when when I'm triaging referrals that come into the service, um, I would always check if the blood tests have been done, and then and then if, and I like to do a vitamin D as well if you can get that done in your area. Um, I know in primary care in, in our area that they're not really they're not very keen to do it. You've got to give a good reason, and um, the ones I request about I'm not kidding, ninety percent are low. So, um, I know the argument is you might as well just treat them, but um, if it's very low, you know, if it's below fifteen, I think in our area it's twenty-five, and they have to go on high-dose replacement. You need to know about that, don't you? Mm. Yeah. So, so so the and we can't request HLA B twenty-seven either in primary care. So I wouldn't bother doing that either. I would just refer to a rheumatologist or a clinic and expect them to do that. Um, just to be specific, are ESR and CRP? Mm-hmm. So again, I would request those, but but I wouldn't expect them to be raised. Yeah. And I wouldn't sort of, you know, put too much um, emphasis on the results really.
0: Yeah, so that's certainly something that I see um, <clears throat> so in my second opinion work that I, I get through I'll get a lot of patients clearly inflammatory history and then the bloods are normal yeah
2: um
0: and and um and then people haven't been referred or that yes. it's been suggested it's something else um, yeah. and so yeah we you're you're saying we should you know order them if it pro- if if needed yes. but actually if it comes back negative you're not going to use that it's going to be a little bit of clinical reasoning weight yes. I suppose isn't it but not yes. not as much as the subjective
1: no no and um with rheumatoid then you know the nice guidelines say refer don't wait for the blood test refer mm. um don't be if it's a negative rheumatoid factor refer anyway if you've got strong clinical suspicion yeah so, so yeah don't wait for the blood tests
0: Brilliant. something I've become aware of recently is what's been phrased to me as an inflammatory blood screen so right. Apparently, apparently, the uh, the way the bloods are ordered, they're on the computer, and you apparently you tick inflammatory blood screen, and it includes all things right. like ANA, rheumatoid factor, and yes. Um, in my mind, I don't like that at all. It doesn't feel like it contains any reasoning process, um, yeah. but. Is that something that you've experienced? And if people have got that, what would you suggest that they do with it? <laughs>
1: well, well the, so the ANA is very problematic, isn't it? The antinuclear antibody. And um, <clears throat> the British Society for Rheumatology suggests that you don't request that unless you have specific features of a connective tissue disorder, because it can be positive in, in a low T with all kinds of conditions. and and there's a whole load of referrals come into rheumatology, just please see this patient with a positive ANA of one in 80. They've got no features of joint disease or skin disease, uh, and it just fills up the clinics. So I I wouldn't take ANA unless you've got a good reason to do that. Um, Certainly the ESR and CRP are useful. Um, I, I sometimes do a protein electrophoresis if the patient's got spinal pain and they're in middle age or older because i'm worried about a myeloma I, again i've picked up a few people like that so i'm not sure what else would be in your inflammatory screen but um my, yeah. my understanding is yes yeah, it's,
0: it's a selection that they sort of it gets yes like say ANA a rheumatoid factor even um someone told me there's an anti-ccp in there potentially
1: yes um, yes yeah, so that's useful if, But but again only if you've got features of of a peripheral arthritis mm. rather than a spinal one
0: yeah for sure so definitely <laughs> order specifically for the condition that you're
1: um, yes yeah that
0: you're investigating or you yeah, are suspicious it, of
1: yeah and of course when you're inexperienced you don't know what to order do you and people tick all the boxes um but try and avoid doing that
0: <laughs> absolutely um absolutely so okay let's okay. go on to talk about um uh, imaging then so We've talked about MRI, so let's, let's start there. Um, you mentioned the MRI with a STIR to <clears> 2 weight protocol not available in primary care. Um, so we're saying MRI is no good for our axial spar patients potential, or possible axial spar patients?
1: Probably no good in primary care unless you can request that um, inflammatory back pain protocol MRI. I mean, you may be looking for other things. There may be a radiculopathy or possible disc prolapse or that type of history. Um, That's fine to order the MRI, I think. But again, we all know that um, I think 20 people were invited in for an MRI off the street. He had no symptoms. 90% of the MRI showed an abnormality. So, So it's a very screening tool really you're going to pick up abnormalities and then you you don't know what to do with them do you
0: <laughs> well that's yeah that's <clears> one <throat> of my concerns is is you pick up stuff that either get then gets blamed for the symptoms so yeah you know what I mean or, or um or as you mentioned right at the beginning it comes back completely normal and they get palmed off that way Is yes problematic yes it?
2: yeah
0: um okay um x-rays is a big one uh yes X-rays are, seem to be fired off left, right, and centre. Um, give me your thoughts on X-rays for, for our query AXPAR patients.
1: Well, well the spinal X-rays are a huge dose of radiation, aren't they? So I, I don't request them for axial SPAR. Um, I know the NICE guidelines do suggest an X-ray of the sacroiliac joints, yeah. but, but I would leave that to the specialist rheumatologist to request if they feel it would help. So um, the only in our area in Telford, the only time you'll get a spinal x-ray is if you're suspecting a stress fracture or a vertebral fracture or some malignancy perhaps the the request will be rejected otherwise so um it, it's not worth trying, and I think that's <laughs> that that's for good reasons really yeah
2: yeah
0: i'm glad I'm glad radiology are rejecting um, <clears throat> um even as two weeks ago i saw a 20 um, year old female who was who had a,
1: a pelvis x-rayed um, yes well, so what was that for them
0: query for possible ax right and they obviously uh, came no. back normal um, yes and um and th- so they said oh no it's not that because you haven't got any haven't got any erosions in your sij was there yeah was so the,
1: the ero- erosions don't appear for ages do they mm-hmm. so there's well, a time delay yeah
0: yeah yeah for sure so yeah so we're not not really imaging. Um, what about um, um, any use for diagnostic ultrasound? If Pete, I know a lot of FCPs have got the ability to do that or have a GP, um, yes. you know, if you've got a GP with uh, especially special interest in sports and exercise medicine. Yes, or yes. Next door. Um, any utility in, in these patients for our uh, um, ultrasounding?
1: Yeah, so I do ultrasound. Um, I've done the rheumatology ultrasound course. I think the only time it would be any use is a peripheral arthritis mm-hmm. and you People with enthesitis, so um, you, you know, as part of the spondyloarthritis picture, you get dactylitis and enthesitis. Um, I had a lady last week who, I think, she was referred as a plantar fasciitis, uh, and I wasn't suspecting spondyloarthritis, but then mm-hmm. it was in both feet, and she complained of a painful heel, and I squeezed her at the bottom of her Achilles, tendon and she nearly nearly <laughs> left the bed, so she was really tender. So, so I straight away did a scan and she'd got some um, enthesitis, some calcaneal erosion. So it's really useful then because, I, you know, I would maybe not have referred her on to a rheumatologist. Um, but but now I've got evidence that she's got mm. an enthesitis and does need to go on and be seen. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And how about so? let's uh, let's change the um, let's take your lady with uh, with the bilateral heel pain. Um, yeah. So if I was sat in an FCP clinic and no, I don't do ultrasound and none of my GP colleagues have got ultrasound machine, yeah. waiting list for rheumatology is quite long.
2: Yeah.
0: Would you say, is that worthy of a referral to radiology to do the ultrasound rather than to waiting through rheumatology? Or where would you sort of find that balance?
1: Well, it, first of all, I do an assessment and um, presents with bilateral Plantar fasciitis. You know, is there a mechanical issue here? Is the patient really flat-footed or overpronating? Uh, and again, you'd be looking at the comorbidities. So, has the patient got psoriasis? Does she have a family history of psoriasis? Has she got ulcerative colitis, Crohn's? Ever had iritis? Ever had a previous swollen joint? So, the things that are in the Spade tool. Yeah. Have you heard of that? S P A D E. Um, it's quite hard to find on the internet because if you just type in spade obviously you get loads of pictures of garden spades but but persist you will find it spadetool.co.uk
0: um, yes so. yes
1: so, um, so so if she didn't have any of those comorbidities I would treat just treat the plantar fasciitis first with insoles and exercises you know show her what to do mm-hmm. um, and it depends on your waiting list doesn't it it's if she comes back and the to no know better that and you've got a shorter waiting list in in X-ray for an ultrasound, then refer there. I mean, in our area, that there's a six month wait for a routine ultrasound in radiology. Wow. wow. Yeah. Whereas I I can do one and my colleague ESPs can do one, mm-hmm. you know, within a few weeks if it's urgent. It yeah. depends on your local area.
0: But it's worth knowing what the waiting lists are for various, so you can make decisions like that. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Real. Um, I really think, yeah, I mean, point of care ultrasound for me is something that I think is really super useful. um, Definitely. Uh, Like especially with those peripheral presentations. We've just alluded to it a little bit there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about pathways. Um, mm-hmm. so rheumatology departments specifically I mean it sounds mm-hmm. like in your location the pathway is easy just uh, fire them to Dr Warburton and, and all, all's good um, yes. but elsewhere especially people got to go directly to rheumatology um, t- have you uh, can you tell me much about the pathways that we should be selecting Um yes. yeah I know there's a lot of talk around you know, um, some people have t- asked me about spinal assessment clinics rather than rheumatology or um, you know,
1: early arthritis clinics, those kinds of things. Yes, Yeah, so, yeah. So, so suspected spondyloarthritis would go to an early arthritis clinic, definitely. So if you've got one in your area, that's the place to go. And, and they triage the referrals, so if they're not happy, they will reject it. Mm. Um, I, I would always, if you're suspecting axial spondyloarthritis, I would always go to rheumatology rather than spinal assessment. Um and the British Society for Rheumatology recently produced some referral guidelines for, um, you know, people need to have these types of symptoms before they, they should be referred to rheumatology. Mm-hmm. And the, the axial spar ones are a bit re- based around the spade tool. So and the nice guidelines, and again asking questions about psoriasis and other comorbidities. So so um, and if you've heard of the GERFT program, getting it right first time, yes. th- there's a big push to, uh, to stop anything non-rheumatological going into rheumatology clinics. So um, that's that's hard for us working in primary care, really, because um, if you've got a local rheumatology department who are going to reject anything that looks a bit in the grey area, it, it, it's where do you refer it then mm. you know, to get a reasonably good opinion?
2: my
0: yeah i um i've seen the opposite those um those referral criteria and they're great you know yeah um but my concern is like your patient you've just mentioned where they don't fit a specific criteria uh,
2: especially
0: ladies who can present they could have axial disease but with widespread pain and peripheral symptoms and
2: um
0: they often don't quite meet the threshold do they and that's um i have i i definitely am a little concerned there when you have those grayer cases and often i say to a lot of people working in primary care or certainly not in secondary care you know um it's those kinds of patients that are a real challenge isn't it Um,
1: it is and And, um having discussed this with um, the bsr yes i discussed this with the the bsr because i was worried about that as well and um they said you can always use advice and guidance to to ask your local rheumatology clinic, but I think you just need to be well, you need to have a good grasp of grammar and to be able to explain in your referral, Mm. what you are worried about and what you're suspecting. So um, I get lots of referrals that are just one, one sentence, you know, please see this patient with back pain. And I fortunately we get copied in the last four consultations but even scrolling through them sometimes you can't find any more information so, mm. so i would stress that people practice writing good referrals ask colleagues or gp colleagues is this a good referral you know have i given enough information and really one thing to always say is why why are you referring the patient mm. you know so uh, i'm i am suspecting inflammatory arthritis would be a good opener really or i am trying to rule out spondyloarthritis for this patient yeah you you know then it's easy for the receiving party to know where to come from
0: yeah i'm definitely the other end of the spectrum and i write two page referrals okay any feedback for me specific like i write you know everything um
1: but yeah. I try to
0: I try to have a bit at the end that's well, I do have a yeah. bit at the end. There's bullet points that say, um, you know, like you just said, I'm I'm referring yes, for yes. spondyloarthritis because X, Y, and Z. Yes. Um. But do you see some of those as well where information yes. gets lost in the reams?
1: I do, and uh, um, I would always put put that those bullet points at the top. So one of my ESP spinal colleagues does fantastic letters because they're very long, but she always puts at the top. Um, you know her bullet points and what mm. the management plan is and um, I, I wish I could be more like her really because because when in my GP letters to back to GPs I, I always try and do that put the bullet points at the top because as a receiving person you you may have 50 documents to read that day so you just want the, the bullet points so, so it's good to have all the information uh, and, and it you know it gives me a message that you've you've bothered to take a good history and you've bothered to examine the patient mm. so it's more likely there's going to be something wrong
0: yeah I like to include the spade tool as well because I think it yes. gives the recipient the idea yes, yeah. that you've asked the appropriate questions yeah um, absolutely because sometimes I'll see um, a letter and it will say that they've asked about maybe they've asked about psoriasis but yeah. then not as you mentioned they it not asked about Crohn's or colitis or uh iritis for example
2: yes
1: yeah and
0: then i'm immediately thinking okay i want to do this whole assessment again because yes i'm not sure if they knew the detail to which i would want to know the answer to the question yeah. um what do you you know do you include the spade tool because uh, you get a little graph don't you and it says yes. recommended do you include any of that or would you suggest including
1: i think that's a good thing to, to do yes definitely mm-hmm. and uh, you know that some emis systems so uh, that, that would be great. And I know there is there is one FCP in Telford who does that yeah. uh, and they send me the spade tool. So, so, yeah, that's really useful. So if you can do that, yes, please do.
0: AI is the way, way forward, isn't it? It'll yes. start collecting the, this patient's got a password a history of psoriasis, yes. now they've got back pain and it'll start pinging yeah. stuff up. Which, yes,
1: that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Do
0: half our work for us. Lovely. Um, that's really really awesome have you got any other sort of specific advice in primary care so let's say someone's listening to you to us now and they say you know oh i think i'm okay i could recognize an obviously inflammatory back pain but if it was a bit more nuanced or mm. a little bit more of a gray area i wouldn't know necessarily what what to do if you got any advice specifically obviously go to the pcr MM um, um, yes. study days but um yes, yeah and if anything that we could give them pearls of wisdom now
1: well, I would always screen for fibromyalgia as well. So uh, you can, fibromyalgia often coexists with Axial Spa. Mm. Um, and you, you'd be asking then questions about um, poor sleep, um, coexisting mental health problems like anxiety, depression, previous abuse situations. And is the pain, you know, they may have widespread pain, which isn't in joints but again, that's quite difficult to differentiate from enthesitis pain. So so the previous tender points for fibromyalgia, which have gone out of fashion now, are also areas where you get enthesitis in the body. So, so the lateral and medial epicondyle. So, so um, using those, I'm sure there were loads of people out there who'd actually got enthesitis <laughs> and were diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So um, if you've got, you know, it's like a seesaw, really. If you've got most of the symptoms are on the fibromyalgia side um, and not much on the, to, to give you a diagnosis of spondyloarthritis, then try and manage the fibromyalgia aspects first, mm. you know, to address the sleep problems, address the anxiety, depression. Maybe if you're an FCP, ask your GP colleagues to see them and prescribe something. Um, and then, then if that's not helping, they think it's more spondyloarthritis, they need a referral. So, so what I'm saying really is that, that you can manage some of these conditions a bit in primary care. You don't have to rush and refer all, all those grey cases. Um, but but if, if the weighting is more towards the spondyloarthritis side, uh, and re- really I think it's the back pain, isn't it? So it's the inflammatory type of back pain. Is it better after resting or is it worse after resting? And you could really drill down with a good history there that they, they need to see a rheumatologist. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you don't have a local interface clinic, you're a bit stuck, really. I mean, can, <laughs> in Telford, you can refer anyone like that to us and we'll sort them out.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. What about anti inflammatories? Because um, yeah. a lot, again, obviously the GPs are prescribing a lot of our FCP colleagues are prescribers yes. is that something that you would say it's a good idea to do don't do it or somewhere in the middle
1: well it's one of the diagnostic criteria isn't it for um, inflammatory back pain if you get a good response to non-steroidals hmm. so it's really it is worth a try of a, a, a proper dose of naproxen that seems to be the safest one 250 milligrams three times a day with ppi cover and if you've got a good going spondyloarthritis, there really is a very obvious response to that. And it happens very quickly in the first 24 hours. Mm. So if your patient's not really had much improvement, then stop them. I wouldn't keep the patient on them long term because they all have side effects, don't they? Now, it, in rheumatology clinics, they often prescribe non-steroidals, so they, but they would use a, a COX-2, something like celicoxib. Um, because that's in the early stages of spondyloarthritis axial spond that is one of the first treatments Mm -hmm. and and it can be disease modifying and reduce some of the spinal um, bony changes so so i think the biggest issue there is gps are not keen to prescribe long-term non-steroidals you know they, they want to stop them after a few weeks and your local pharmacist or prescribing advisor maybe chasing you up as a gp say why are you prescribing this drug for for more than a few weeks mm. okay. but, but if your rheumatologist is suggesting it then then you should use it
0: yeah for sure i get occasionally the question of uh, people saying oh, i don't want to because it'll affect bloods or it'll affect mris or it'll affect the reasoning because the symptoms are different when they get to someone like yourself have you got That's any it. problem with that or
1: not with non-steroidals but steroids Mm -hmm. certainly can do that Mm -hmm. so if someone's had steroids and you're doing an ultrasound scan then then it really changes the appearances and it, it damps down the inflammatory response so um you know i would not prescribe steroids in primary care unless you're absolutely desperate and you can't get a rheumatology opinion for six years or something (laughs) i mean i always suggest that you try and speak to your local rheumatologist Mm. and say "Um, this patient's really struggling rather than prescribe the steroids can you see them quicker so uh, but but there is a bit of a tendency to just throw steroids at everything in primary care um you know so please try not to
0: anti-inflammatories are okay steroids not so much yet
1: no only when when you're sure that you know what you're treating
0: yes I have seen a few patients you you mentioned um epicondylitis and I've I've seen a few patients who have had a few injections over time and it's made their other joints feel better and they almost go and have the injection because they feel better generally
1: yeah do you know what I mean and and
0: that's not a good start is it
2: no
1: Um, not really
0: Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you very much for this conversation. It's been really, um, uh, really enlightening and um, really nailed on some of the information good, good. there for our colleagues. Do you want to give yes. you this opportunity to uh, plug anything or promote anything that you're doing? Um, so yes, PCR, yes. MM, I never yes. get the number of M's right.
1: in Yes, the PCR yeah. MM. Musculoskeletal medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yes, we're um, we're teaming up with the Faculty of Sports and Exercise Medicine to do to run the diploma, MSK diploma for the second year. So, last year, about 500 people took that, and it's just a knowledge based test. So, there's, there's no face to face examination techniques or anything. So, um, it's, it's considered a good sort of first step into specialising in the MSK field. So, if you'd like to do that, go onto our website or the FSCM website and book yourself on. Um, we're doing two study days as well to help people pass the exam. One on the 5th of March, that's a Saturday, and one on the 2nd of April, the Saturday. They're online. So, um, again, it's easy to attend, really. They'll be recorded. So there's a lot of rheumatology in those. Um, The other plug, I should say, is versus arthritis. So uh, they have lots of um, really good learning resources on their website. And if you sign up as uh, part... I think it's called um, the professional engagement team. You can sign up there. You get all their newsletters, free access to all the resources. And they run core skills training sessions, which I do as well. Some of those are online and hopefully they'll be back face to face soon. So um, most FCPs and physios don't need that training because they know all about examining the musculoskeletal system. But, but but there's some rheumatology in there, which is useful. Mm.
0: Brilliant. Um, And finally, uh, Twitter, we've, we've interacted a few times.
1: um, What's your at on there for people to find you? Um, At at Lubicia, so L-O-O-B-I-C-I-A, which is quite hard to remember, but um, (laughs) it's a nickname I had at school because there were three Louises in my class at school. So we had to have a different name. (laughs) <laughs>
2: brilliant yeah, absolutely but, the, but
1: we've got primary care rheumatologists um, got a twitter handle our yes. pcr society and um, so yeah have a look at, at our twitter feed there as well
0: brilliant brilliant thank you very much uh, for spending this bit of time with me i think uh, loads of people are going to find it extremely useful and um, that's good
1: I, uh, and you, I, you're uh, running a study day aren't you in manchester
0: correct i am yes, yes. yeah a few of yeah. like,
1: my fcps are going on that so yeah room 101 no yeah
0: yeah the is best it, thing about that at the moment is the
1: title I just yes uh, yeah we came up
0: we came up with the name of a conference and then we had to run the conference because the name was good yes yeah, so that's uh, yeah. end of april that is yes,
1: yes. Yeah. yeah good luck with that
2: thank you, thank
1: you. yeah